Hey folks, this is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, and I want to talk to you today about Matthew chapter 24. This is part two, and we're going to be discussing Matthew 24, 6 through 14, plus a few other things. So let's get at it. First slide I'm going to produce is Matthew chapter 24 provides an outline of the end times. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's going to be included in the next sermons. I will say this, though. There are three main outlines of the last days that are fairly complete. The first one is those found in the Gospels. The first in time is the one found in Daniel. And then the final one is the one found in the book of Revelation. It shouldn't come as a surprise that these three all agree. And that's very important to understand because if you understand that Jesus is giving you the basic outline of the end times and that John follows it in Revelation because Daniel had prophesied it in the book of Daniel, you'll get a good understanding of the prophecies of the end time, although you won't have all the details. All the prophets and the entire Old Testament have a great deal to say about the last days. From Joel to Genesis, from Genesis to Malachi, and so on. And the New Testament does as well. But we're going to study mostly the three that I have mentioned that give us the basic timeline. And here is that basic timeline. And if you're watching this on YouTube, then you can just stop the narration and study it for a moment or two, because this is pretty much what Jesus, Daniel, and Revelation all say. So here is the text, Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14, and I'm going back to verse 1, because it makes sense. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And this whole thing is a kind of a process question, so he's not going to answer it in just one word. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. That is the first principle. It is a time of deception. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. <clears throat> and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's happening these days. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And in the, in the national media and a lot of other places, I see all of this hand-wringing. And it's true that people believe that disaster is upon us and the world is coming to an end and so on. But what's not true is that people understand that this is part of the plan of God, because it is. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and I might add volcanic eruptions and all that other stuff. All these are the beginning of sorrows. This is what you're going to see at the beginning. Then 
they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So the next thing is trouble coming to Christians. And the thing after that, of course, is uh, apostasy, people who leave the faith and betray others and hate each other. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So the false prophets are going to increase, if you will. And because lawlessness will abound, that is, people don't care about being right. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So here is the end times, and we're in them now. We're headed toward them, I should say. <clears throat> but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. It's important to understand that Jesus is presenting a chronology. This is not everything kind of mixed together and stirred with a stick. This is a literal chronology of the time of times of the end. So when he says then, he means then. That's the next thing. When he says and, he means and. Those things are probably concurrent. Please study Jesus' words with care. The reason that's so important is this time is coming. It may soon be here if it's not already here. We don't know. Jesus gave us markers by which we can understand what's about to happen. And one of the things that I've thought many, many times is that the history of the world has been full of these kinds of markers. There have been wars and rumors of wars. There have been famines and pestilences. And all those things have happened throughout the history of the church the last couple of thousand years or so. But it's kind of like a, um, an ocean with the waves coming in. The tide was out when Jesus was on the earth. But it's been gradually coming in, and we're almost at high tide. So please pay attention, because this could be very important for your life. After the wholesale deception, which we talked about last time, comes trouble. Jesus said, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. That's tough to do, but see that you're not troubled because it is part of the plan of God. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, I might characterize these as what we would call distant impact. You can hear them happening. You can watch from a distance, but it's not necessarily happening to you. 
And so this is trouble that affects some Christians, but not everyone. Hence, Jesus uses the phrase, you will hear. It's kind of like a tsunami. You can hear it and you can see it, but it hasn't hit you yet, but it's coming. Or like an earthquake that you can hear and feel, but your house is not yet torn down, destroyed. Now, obviously, some Christians will be in the middle of these things, and they will be hit hard. But the trouble will not yet be universal. And that's important to understand. It's when all of this becomes universal that we know that we're there. So what should you do when all these things begin to play out? Number one is stop focusing on this life. That is the single most important piece of advice I can give. Focus on eternity. It's coming. Determine to stay the course. Never give up. Don't be afraid. You will probably suffer. If you're a younger person, I'm an old guy, I'm 78, so probably I will die first. Don't know for sure, but it could happen. When you are suffering, the Lord will sustain you. Here is what Peter says about this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent you, that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Folks, no suffering is fun, but look to the future, which is in the hands of God. God has it planned out. That's the thing to remember. After the deception and the trouble that you hear about comes personal persecution. Jesus says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then, notice the then, that's the Greek word tota, and it, it means then. It doesn't mean concurrent. It doesn't mean mixed up with other things. It, it's then. Then many will be offended, betray one another, hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, this happens throughout, the love of many will grow cold. So there will be lots of supposed Christians who will just say, eh, I don't care. I don't want to do this anymore. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And in the midst of all of these things, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And as I mentioned, notice the word then. Jesus is giving us a chronology of the end times. And this time it's persecution. Then false Christians, then false prophets, believers denying Jesus. And what he says to us is required for this time is endurance. In the midst of all of this trouble that's coming, 
many men and women, and probably boys and girls who love God and follow the Lord, will preach the gospel. Why doesn't Jesus mention the rapture of the church? Now, this is a perennial question every time anyone studies Matthew 24. Well, why doesn't Jesus mention the rapture of the church? Well, one of the reasons is the church didn't exist yet. <clears throat> but there are possibilities here. Maybe the rapture is a false doctrine. I don't believe that, but it's a possibility. The second possibility is that Jesus is giving only an outline, as I said. And folks, there are Christians before, both before and after the rapture. Let's be honest. <clears throat> Even though the world is temporarily is emptied of Christians <clears throat> because of all the trouble, Jesus says, no, can't have that happen. And there is a false teaching that occurs when teaching this and other passages about the uh, end times. And this is the false teaching. It's not that the rapture is the false teaching. This is the false teaching. The Lord won't let his church go through the tribulation. Well, that may be true in terms of time. But Christians are right now going through horrible persecutions under communism, under Islam, under various other oppressive totalitarian schemes. If anything, those persecutions are intensifying. And folks, it is a false teaching to suggest that trouble will never reach us. Here in the West, we think we are protected. Well, we have been, and we may be, but there is no guarantee. The false teaching that trouble will never reach you will be responsible for many departing from the Lord. Don't believe that false teaching because trouble can come. If I was asked to tie this passage to Revelation, I would tie it to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Where it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. There's going to be persecution. Christians endure it. Now, Satan is the ultimate author, as Jesus told us in John chapter 8, and also the madness of men who hate what believers stand for and follow Satan. It's easy to say they don't understand, but they understand all too well, and they are self-condemned by their reaction. On the other hand, <clears throat> when persecution occurs, many people become believers because they see true Christians and their love for God in the midst of all that trouble. 
In Luke, referring to this time, Jesus says this, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down, the old King James has surfeiting, meaning overfilling yourself. New King James has carousing, drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. It's possible to not realize that this is coming, but it is. It will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Snare is a trap. This is an intentional trap to catch people who reject Jesus Christ. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And Jesus' formula for this time is very simple. Watch and pray. Watch for the things that are coming. Watch for his coming. Pray, as he said, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man, that is Jesus. I pray that you will, and I pray that I will. It's not going to be an easy time, but God will bless those who stand and endure. This is God's wordsmith, Steve Bradley, signing off for now. God bless you all. Hope you have a wonderful day.